0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. So the uh, research portion of the day, I didn't even complete. It's going to, t- it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot, man. And uh, I guess what I mean by didn't complete is I realized I was never going to be done because there's always more that you can look at. And I kind of just had to say, you know, this is probably a show and a half i think we can uh i think we can call it and maybe for next week we try to split this up a little bit we're still trying to work out the format we'll get it figured out it's not like this is year four or anything i think it's year four is it really year? i don't know it doesn't matter who cares it is not that it's a mile marker but it's, i very rarely say it and it's just exciting episode 859 i don't know why i feel like i'm i'm still like the new guy coming up on 900 episodes If I don't take a day off, if we do this every single day, February 7th, so right around the Super Bowl, which I think is getting pushed back a week, I'm not sure. When is the Super Bowl? Oh, come on. The Super Bowl is February 7th? You've got to be kidding me. I just just Googled it. February 7th, if I do an episode every day, is episode 1,000. I just figured out the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. That's freaking me out, man. I don't know how many times I've been sitting back looking at, man, one of these days I'm going to get to 1,000. When you do roughly 350 episodes a year, it it doesn't take all that long. That's crazy. I just happened to randomly, you know, what's 1,000 minus 159? All right, what's that? Plus today. Oh, February 7th. That's interesting. It's around when? I mean, you were here for the conversation. I'm just, I'm reliving it because it's crazy. That's crazy. I might be off by a day because I don't know am i supposed to count today or not? I don't Either way, it's happening. If I have to if I have to cancel a day just to make sure that episode 1000 is on the Super Bowl, I need the Packers to win the Super Bowl, dude. It wouldn't be greedy to say like I need to have like Brett Favre on the show for that, right? I mean, that's just that's just common sense. He has to do it. I might even have Aaron Rodgers call me at halftime. I don't know. This is this is a big deal for for them and for me. It's like my Super Bowl and their Super Bowl. It's like, a, it's like a kinship. I mean, that. I mean, I'm not saying they have to hang a banner for me or anything, but Hall of Fame, possibly? Packers Hall of Fame? If it falls on the same... I don't know. If the Packers PR person is listening, let me know. Because, uh, again, I'm not saying I need a banner hanging in the stadium, but we'll figure it out. It's, it's fine. It's still freaking me out, though. That's crazy. Anyways, now that I'm done sharing that all over social media, because I pretend people care as much as I do, lots of thank yous going out. I got to start keeping track. I was kind of goofing around that, hey, if we could just get everybody that listens to give a buck a month, you know, I don't have to go back to work on Monday. Not that we're getting anywhere close to the total listenership, but, you know, we can start somewhat of a countdown, right? I got to add Troy. Troy Lundberg. Nailed that one. Don't even tell me I didn't, Troy. I don't want to hear your crazy pronunciation. Actually, it's Lundberg. It's uh, very Dutch. But he hit me up on Venmo and asked a question, so we'll probably throw that in early. Thank you to Travis Brits. Travis is hitting me up on Facebook because I'm just, wherever you can find me, man, I'm going to make it easy for you. So Travis, thank you very much for your support, paid up for the year, and then thank you very much to Noah Castor for jumping in on his yearly subscription on Patreon, as well as Brandon Koski for his subscription on Patreon. So what was that, four people? So we'll just drop it to $3,996, right? 3996 of you listening. If you wouldn't mind jumping on Patreon for just as little as a buck a month. I know a bunch of people are already doing it, but it's roughly 4,000. We'll start the countdown yesterday. Just leave me a, What do I, I should do... I, just, I, I don't know. Again, I think all these things are funny, and maybe I'm just talking... Let's move on. Let's talk about the lions. Nobody cares. But thank you guys very much. I appreciate that, and I will be doing a countdown because I think it's funny. And if you don't like it, you can just keep walking. All right? Keep on walking. I gotta figure out how to do it, though. Countdown to not going to work on Monday. (laughs) Oh, the Lions. Why is it that this is easily one of the worst teams in football, but they scare me more than just about any team? I mean, it's like you got Kansas City, you got Baltimore, you got the Saints, one or two others, and then you got the Lions. It's just so weird, and I don't like it. But it is Lions week. Um, We might as well start with the injury report. It's both good and bad news. It's probably worse for the Lions. It just just does not feel that way. Lane Taylor, as we know, obviously is out. Equinemius is officially out. Randy Ramsey is officially out. And Kenny Clark is officially out. That's obviously the big one. Um, as far as Montrevius coming in to help, he's still questionable. He's been limited all week. Oren Burke should be good to go, not that it seems to matter at this point. Uh, Josiah DeGuara didn't practice the last two days, so he was actually limited on Wednesday. They added an ankle injury to his shin injury. He didn't practice on Thursday or Friday, and now he's questionable. Um, I would add that it's probably pretty unlikely. Raven Green has had a quadricep injury. I have a feeling he's going to play. I haven't heard anything about it. He's been limited all week, which is usually a relatively good sign, but who knows what those, you know, those thigh injuries. Hypnothized, A.J. Dillon style. Um, Elton Jenkins has been full participation since Thursday, so his ankle tweak seems to be uh, not too big of a deal. It'd be very interesting to see not only if he plays, which I'm assuming he will, but where he plays. Lucas Patrick, who there's also a good chance might play, similar situation, but with a shoulder injury, limited on Wednesday, didn't practice, or excuse me, was full participation Thursday and Friday, so he should be good to go, although it does say questionable, um, and then Billy Turner, exact same situation with a knee injury, limited on Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, he was full, I don't know, Friday was limited again, so I don't know, he may have may have tweaked it again, who knows, and then Mercedes obviously gets his veteran rest day so that he can come out, come out and be a beast for his, you know, 18 plays, just shredding people. From the Lions end of things, the official outs, and this one definitely hurts, um, Hunter Bryant maybe not quite as much for the second week in a row, Kenny Galladay is the biggest thing, and this is probably somewhat out of order, but it's it's worth noting, so let's look at it now. If you look at last year, our week six matchup, everybody outside of Kenny Galladay, or I guess let me put it this way, the um, highest graded as well as the most yardage by the, the essentially kind of depending on how you want to gauge this number one receiver outside of Kenny Galladay in Week Six was Marvin Hall one target one reception for 58 yards. After that you had Carryon Johnson the running back was two of four for 27 yards. T.J. Hawkins four of six for 21 yards. Marvin Jones Jr. was two of five for 17 yards. Jesse James the tight end had one for eight. J.D. McKissick the running back had two receptions out of two for seven yards. Danny Amendola was one for one for six yards. Kenny Galladay, 5 of 9, 121 yards, 24.2 yards per reception, five first downs in that game. Kenny tore it up. Again, outside of that one really big play by Marvin Hall, it was a non-factor. So this is a big deal. And as I said, they would have absolutely beat the Chicago Bears last week, no problem, if Kenny Galladay was there. They were one rookie running back drop away from beating the Bears even without Kenny Galladay and a bunch of other injuries. Similarly, if you look at Week 17, The leading receiver in this game, and I'm just, it makes me laugh. One target, one reception for 19 yards and a touchdown is quarterback David Blow. Don't remember the correct pronunciation. Don't care. David Blow is what we're going with. He was the leading receiver. Danny Amendola, 2 of 4 for 16 yards. Logan Thomas, 1 of 3 for 15. Chris Lacey, 2 of 7 for 12. Jesse James, 2 of 2 for 5. J.D. McKissick, 1 of 2 for 4. Travis Fulgham, 0 for 1, Ty Johnson, 0 for 2, uh, Jamal Agnew, 1 of 2 for negative 2 yards. Kenny Galladay, 3 of 4 for 72 yards, 24 yards per reception, yada, yada, yada. So I know that was a different situation because Stafford wasn't in this game and all that kind of good stuff. He was in week 6, and I'm not saying this is going to be a cakewalk. I'm just saying the last two weeks, when we look at these games in which the Packers almost got throttled, we had no answer for Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay is not playing, and the guys that they have next to Kenny Galladay, although there is some talent, you know, we're, we're in some pretty dangerous territory if our corners, who we like to say are better than average at least, can't handle, you know, Quintez Cephas and Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola. I mean, if Adam Thielen goes off, okay, whatever. Week one, defense was struggling. Thielen's a, a, a really good wide receiver. Got it. Now we're, now we're getting into the territory where... I kind of expect a little bit better out of you. And it wasn't very comforting. We had, uh, I think it's Eye in the Sky on Twitter, one of the game film breakdown guys that's on there, um, basically look at Kevin King's snaps and say, yep, same old Kevin King. He's got stiff hips. Unless it's a go route, he can't do anything. It's like, well, that that sucks. But we'll see. So Kenny Galladay is out. That was a uh, gigantic thing. Uh, Their rookie first-round pick, early first-round pick, Jeffrey Okuda is playing. Um, He does make me a little bit nervous, but it's very rare that rookies play well in their first year, regardless of when you get them, unless they're like the number one overall pick pass rusher like Bosa and Chase Young, apparently. Outside of that, not a real good track record. We can go through just about every single rookie, and with the exception of C.J. Henderson and Chase Young, I don't know that too many of them did very well. Um, Jeff Okuda very well might, but also remember this is his first outing and they're probably putting him against Devontae Adams. And if you think about what Devontae said last week, he said he doesn't really change very much depending on who his opponent is. However, he knew that there were probably a couple things he could do to these guys because they're just not experienced with NFL uh, wide receivers that he could, he was pretty confident he can get away with. There's, a, there's not just beyond athleticism, there's a cerebral nature to every position, but I would say it you know, not especially compared to quarterback, but more so than let's say running back or possibly defensive tackle. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting into dangerous territory. I don't know what I'm talking about here, but there is a cerebral nature that his athleticism is not going to be able to compensate for. So I'm not saying he's not going to have a good day. I'm not saying he's not going to be a freak and he's not going to be a problem. And I'm definitely worried about him down the line, but I would say it's far less than 50% that he comes out and just shuts down Devontae Adam. Extremely unlikely. Um, Daryl Roberts, pretty important that he plays. He is questionable. He is their backup slot corner because their slot corner was put on IR. Um, To make matters even worse, their starting um, cornerback with experience, Desmond Trufant, is officially out. So the, the starting cornerbacks for this team are Desmond Trufant, Justin Coleman, Jeff Okuda. Coleman is on IR. Desmond Trufant is out. Jeff Okuda, who is playing the first game of his career ever, is the only guy that's presumably starting, and uh, whatever. Meaning, I believe, and I'm so happy he's playing because I loved saying his name. I'm sure somebody out there is offended, but I don't care. It's a lot of fun. Amani Arruarie. Completely unnecessary to roll the R's that hard every single time it comes through, but man, is it fun to say. Um, He's been pretty terrible. He's going to be starting because, uh, again, Trufant is out. And assuming... I'm assuming Daryl Roberts will be starting at uh, in the slot. And, and look, again, we're just going to be picking on these guys. The only question is, are we going to be able to pick on Jeff Okuda? Is he going to give us a hard time? And if it's really that big of a deal, we're just going to put Devontae in the slot or just go to the other guys. So, I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. Also, and I, I wasn't ex- exactly expecting this, Joe Dahl, the guard, is out. I believe that's a new thing. He wasn't on the injury report Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday, didn't practice Friday. They called him out. So I'm looking at the offensive line. I got a bunch of notes on him. Um, here we are, Joe Dahl, one of the... So basically, the way the offensive line works, you got pretty much the same guys from left tackle, left guard, and center. Joe Dahl is their left guard. Then you have a rookie starting at right guard, and then you had a pretty poor right tackle filling in for Vitai because he's been injured. He didn't practice all week, he's questionable, but it's pretty iffy when you don't practice at all. But anyways, now, on top of possibly their... Like, what is he, a 2018 sixth-round pick, filling in for Tai not doing a very good job at right tackle. You've got a rookie at right guard who's not very good. you got a very good center, and then your subpar uh, left guard is now apparently not playing. This is uh, this is pretty disastrous. Now, there's no Kenny Clark to wreak havoc on the interior, but that doesn't really matter because the center's good, the guards are not, and um, Preston, Zadarius, and Rashawn are going to be attacking the guards, as well as the tackles. It's just, you know... It's not good. It's, it's actually very, very bad. So that'll, that'll be pretty big also, whether or not Vitae is able to go. And even if he does, he hasn't played a single snap for the Lions. I think he's going to be much better than what they have. But again, he's coming out with, with no... I'm not going to say no experience, because he does. But it's his first time taking a snap with the Lions, and he didn't practice all week with a foot injury. So he's still injured. It's not like he's feeling good right now. So anyways, we may as well, since we're here, complete the uh, roster overview... So although it's not really official, um, the way that I understand it, you got Taylor Decker at left tackle. Same left tackle we've seen for a while now. Filling in, I believe, at left guard is Ode Abushi. Um, he's been all over the place. He's one of those guys, I don't know how he keeps getting work. I remember him at Seattle. Looks like he was only there for a year, but he was with the Jets in 2014, Houston in 2015-16, then Seattle in 2017, Arizona in 2018, and um, Detroit 2019-20. and 20. He's played every year at least a little bit, um, and he's always been pretty terrible, with the exception of his rookie year with New York. The uh, interesting thing to know about Oday is that if he's ever good at anything, which was not the case last week, he came in uh, last week eight times as a pass blocker, didn't run once against Chicago. His pass blocking grade was a nine point two, which is about as bad as you'll ever see. Basically, just got wrecked eight times in a row, is what that means. But um, when he's at his best, he's actually a little bit better of a pass blocker, and uh, he's been a horrific run blocker his entire career, which is kind of contrary or uh, you know different than Mr. Joe Dahl, who is probably a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. It's debatable, but, but that's going to be somewhat interesting as we move forward into this matchup, because there's a lot of talk about the, the Lions need to run the ball. That's, I mean... That means a lot of things, and there's a lot of questions to be asked about that whole strategy, but just worth noting. Ode, Abushi, abushi, whatever, um, never really been his thing. Then at center, they've got uh, Frank Ragnow, who's uh, currently one of the better centers in the NFL. 2018, he was decent. 2019, he took a step and was pretty solid, and then you look at uh, so far in 2020, he's currently graded as the sixth best center, so he's off to a really hot start. Bottom line, he's just a really good football player. He is a better run blocker than pass blocker, but he's pretty good at both. Then it starts to get interesting. You've got Jonah Jackson, who is their third-round pick this past draft out of Ohio State, that is currently starting at right guard. Jonah Jackson had himself a little bit of a rough day. Didn't grade out well in anything. He gave up the, lone, the one sack this entire game. Came compliments of Akeem Hicks against Jonah Jackson. Then at right tackle, we've got um, possibly Halapalavati Vaitai, if he's playing. And again, if he's playing, he's playing hurt. If he's not playing, we're talking about Mr. Tyrell Crosby, who is a 2018 fifth-round pick out of Oregon, Thomas Oregon. Don't worry about it. Um Tyrell had a rough day. Now, granted, Tyrell went up against Khalil Mack about half the time, but that's still it's not ideal. You'd rather have Vitai there. So the offensive line basically is a mediocre left tackle and tackle in Decker and a really solid center in Ragnall. Two massive question marks at guard and maybe not a horrible situation at tackle, but possibly pretty terrible. That's the Lions' offensive line. Then, when we look at wide receiver, again, there is no wide receiver one, so we're looking at, on the outside, uh, Mr. Marvin Jones Jr., who has been around since 2012, as well as uh, some Packer fans' favorite wide receiver. I got asked tons of questions about him, Mr. Quintez Cephas, was taken in the fifth round of 2020. There were some character concerns, which is possibly why he fell as, as far as he did. I think he also ran a pretty terrible 40 time, but then there was also talk about that wasn't legitimate, so I, I don't really know. Um, a lot of talk from um, from Lions fans that Quintez Cephas looked really good. PFF didn't necessarily agree. Um, he had the third lowest receiving grade of anybody. You had Amendola, then Hawkinson, then uh, then a bunch of average guys. Then you had Quintez Cephas below average. His stat line was 3 of 9 for 43 yards. He averaged uh, 14.3 yards per reception. Three first downs, he did have one drop. His passer rating when targeted was a 49.8. So that is their starting wide receiver opposite Mr. Marvin Jones with, again, Danny Amendola in the slot. Amendola seems to be the one pretty solid wide receiver on this offensive line. And I looked it up. It was interesting enough. I was wondering if they would go to more two wide receiver with uh, an injured starting wide out. They actually, I think, what was it? I don't know. It's a very high number. 72% of the time they were in um, 11 personnel, which is three wide receiver. The NFL average for week one was 59%. Their average, I think last year was like 60% rate right at average. So they were well over average playing three wide. And in case you're wondering, well, maybe they spread them out and ran. They they passed 67% of the time out of 11 personnel. So they primarily were in 11 personnel. And when they're in 11 personnel, they, they threw it the vast majority of the time two-thirds of the time so they didn't feel the need to change up what they were doing they wanted to, t- to attack through the air and that's exactly what they did stat line uh, for their wide receivers by the way Danny Amendola five of seven for 81 yards TJ Hawkinson who was a tight end um, but we'll add him here TJ Hawkinson five of five 56 yards and a touchdown Adrian Peterson three of three for 21 yards Marvin Jones four of eight for 55 yards with a drop mixed in Marvin Hall one of two for 26 yards. Cephas, I already mentioned, Jamal Agnew, zero for one, which interestingly enough, last time I mentioned him in that Packer game, he was over. Guy's real good at not catching stuff. And then DeAndre Swift, three of five. Uh, the two that he didn't haul in were both drops. He had two drops in that game. So it's so weird to me that Jonathan Taylor over with the Colts right now out of Wisconsin, who is seen as a great running back, that it has terrible hands Kind of tore it up through the air and was terrible on the ground. DeAndre Swift, who is seen as this dual-threat Swiss Army knife guy, is is dropping everything thrown at him. I find it interesting. So, again, no real super dynamic, you know, killer-wide receiver. 5 of 7 for 81 yards and zero touchdowns was the top guy. Not that the Packers won't give up more, because it wouldn't be a Packers game if somebody doesn't have 140 yards receiving and 200 yards rushing. But um, it's going to be a lot harder without Galladay. Tight end obviously speaks for itself. you got TJ Hawkinson. He actually didn't grade out all that well, although he did grade out pretty well as a receiver. The biggest reason why it didn't kind of average out is his run blocking grade was absolutely putrid, and they asked him to do that 16 times. And again, that's all going to fold into place because although it makes sense that the team would want to run the ball a lot to attack the Packers' weaknesses, this team is not built that way. Matt LaFleur is building a team that wants to run. The Lions have clearly built a team that is built to pass. Not saying they won't. I don't know what they're going to do. But T.J. Hawkinson is a decent pass blocker, pretty solid receiver. Guy cannot run block to save his life, apparently. And actually, it may have been somewhat of a fluke because last year he was a terrible pass blocker. So just in general, his blocking has been really poor. Aside from this one week, he's a receiver. That weren't. It's not the notes coming out of college, but it's just it's what it's shaped up to be in Detroit. As far as running the ball, uh, you know, again. Lots of excitement about DeAndre Swift and all that. He got three carries in this game. on Johnson led him with seven carries. Adrian Peterson out of the gate, which really just goes to show how they feel about uh, their running back. 14 carries. He doubled on Johnson, who doubled DeAndre Swift. Uh, DeAndre Swift had 2.7 yards per carry. on two yards per carry. Adrian Peterson, 6.6 yards per carry. He got 93 yards on those um, 14 carries. Five first downs, five of his runs went for more than 10 yards, or I should say 10 or more yards. He literally had the same amount of yards after contact per attempt that Carrion Johnson had, just yards per attempt, which is two. So there's very little doubt that Adrian Peterson is the running back for the Detroit Lions. What that exactly means, I think that that's slightly being overhyped. I mean, he, first of all, his run grade was, was pretty terrible, which, you know, it seems counterintuitive what does it mean if there's a giant gaping hole and you run through it and there's nobody there to tackle you and you're just striding for um, as long as it was 21 yards, for example? Do you get like a bunch of really good grades for that, for running through a hole and just not being tackled? Not really. Not saying that's what happened. I'm just telling you the signs are not pointing to Adrian Peterson is still the same Adrian Peterson he was 54 years ago. Although I still respect the guy in terms of his, his ability to play. I've been saying that all along. Every time I watch him, he still looks like a really fast, powerful runner. And um, if he, you know he's doing that to the Bears, what's he going to do to um, the Packers? And Even in Washington, I mean, 4.3 yards per attempt the year before that, in Washington, 4.2 yards per attempt. So I, again, it, it kind of makes sense. We're going to lean on the run game here a little bit. But even last week, Peterson only got 14 carries. So if you're going to beat the Packers... On the ground, you're going to have to up Peterson's carry. You're going to have to do more than that, which means taking the ball out of Stafford's hand and not playing into your strengths. So it's 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 weird because when I look at it, there's there's four scenarios, right? There's running and there's passing, and then there's whether or not the Packers can stop the run or the pass, or conversely, whether the the Lions will be successful running or passing, yes or no. Now on on one hand, you look at it and say, well, there are weakness is also their weakness. So that works to our advantage. They don't want to run. They're not built to run. And so if they're going to play to their weakness in order to try to beat the Green Bay Packers, especially in a game where the score is probably going to get run up, I don't know if that's the greatest strategy. But if they choose not to, it's completely it's completely neglecting the biggest weakness on this team, which is the fact that we have no defensive linemen and not any good linebackers. Unless you think our undrafted free agent who played like six snaps, did a really good job, is is legitimate. I'm willing to wait and see on that one. So it's 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 a conundrum. But my my fear is if they can run and their strength is to pass and they can still pass, this could be a nightmare. In other words, if we can't stop the pass, if Jair and Kevin King are still playing not very good, and you got Marvin Jones and Quintez Cephas and Danny Amendola kind of moving the moving the sticks here, and we can't stop Adrian Peterson because obviously nobody on this team is equipped to do that, we're in a lot of trouble. However, if it falls the other way, in which they maybe can't run quite as well because it's not what they're designed to do and they choose not to run because they're a passing team but that's just setting us up for our strengths because we've got good pass rusher and we've got corners that hopefully are pretty good but I you know I say that as delicately as possible because I'd like to see it before I proclaim it and even Jair who's clearly the better of the of the two corners can't help but giving up a game with you know hundred and some odd yards just randomly. Had a real good game, yeah, Jair's a freak, and then everybody's writing articles about him, he's the next great, this, that, or the other, and then he gives up 240 yards and three touchdowns. Like, what in the world are we doing here? And that that's also the challenge for Detroit, because depending on what you think about those two things dictates your game plan, and it's not that you can't be somewhat flexible, but you like to have an official plan going into the game. Do we come out and run and attack the fact that you have no Kenny Clark and hope that we can maintain the pace of this game? We're going to drain down the clock. We're going to run down the field because you can't stop Adrian Peterson. We're going to give him 24 carries in this game on top of having Swift and carry on carry it. We're going to carry the ball 40 times, completely wear down your defense, which has been the strategy of just about every team that's beaten you, the the Eagles and the, the two 49ers games. And those are the games in which teams scored the most points. So we're just going to lean on that. And then when we decide to throw, we'll be able to do that too because you're not expecting it. Throw a couple passes here and there. Our goal isn't just to win; it's to embarrass you. Now, how do we stop you on the other side? I don't know. We got to get a couple lucky breaks our way. Maybe Aaron Rodgers has a little aggression. Whatever. We'll figure that out when we when we when we get there. But if that doesn't work, and if the Packers come out and score, and you kind of go, you know, either three and out or the run game doesn't quite work, like it's pretty successful, but. You know the, the the problem with that kind of strategy, as opposed to Detroit just launching the ball down the field. Same with the Green Bay Packers. Their their strategy for a long time was just let's launch the ball down the field, and in about you know six or seven plays, we're we're kicking the extra point. the The risk of doing what we did last time was what was that like twenty plays to get all the way down there? I'm exaggerating, but it just takes one mistake. Now you see what happens when you you know you have one miscommunication. Now, all of a sudden, it's second down, second and ten. You run the ball, you get four yards, a third and six, just like that, a great drive, which has already been like 15 plays, is about to turn into a punt. So when you know that it's just a matter of time before something goes wrong, an errant pass, an interception, a tip ball, a sack, a forced fumble, choosing to drag out how many plays on a drive has its benefits, but it has its drawbacks. You're just asking for trouble, and especially against the Packers, this is a defense that is opportunistic. They want as many swings as possible. I promise you that's what Petten want. Please run the ball. Give us another shot. Well, you ripped off eight yards on first down. Well, great. Give us another shot. Give us another shot. What they don't want is what the Lions did last time, which is to launch the ball on a flea flicker, play one, and just go score a touchdown, right? Three play drive. They want to just keep everything in front. You're going to get your chunks. You're going to get this and that. That's fine. But eventually, we're going to get that sack. Eventually, we're going to get that safety. Eventually, we're going to get that pick. And what was it? And, it, and it's a big part of the reason why people see the Packers as fraudulent, because it's like... You guys are terrible, but you just get lucky. Well, yeah, but it's lucky by design in a way. Not saying they're trying to give up these plays, but it's it's an opportunistic defense. They want to take as many swings and as many tries as possible because they know with these pass rushers, we're going to get home. With these corners, especially you got a guy like Jair, a lot of the times when he messes up, it's because he's hungry. He's attacking the ball, and if he doesn't get there, well, now he's not in a position to make a tackle either. So what is an eight-yard pass that, it, you know, normally the guy would just go down right there turns into a 20-yard pass because Jair is trying to jump the route. He misses, and the guy takes off. But eventually, he's going to get that one. Eventually, Kevin King's going to come down with that pick. Eventually, Zedarius is going to get home. You know, eventually, we're going to get you in that third and long, long, and the boys are going to hunt. So it, it really is sort of a very, as much as it's it's weak and it's frustrating, it's very predatory. They're like vultures. They just wait. They're waiting for their time. And while you're over there bragging, ha-ha, we got another 15. Ha-ha, we just ran another nine yards. I got like six yards per carry against you losers. They're just like, all right, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You, you're, you're not even halfway there yet, so I would, you know, cool it. Another first down, ha-ha. Okay, yeah, first down, cool that mean we get another attempt because i'm loving this I'm, I'm getting closer i'm smelling it i'm tasting it i don't think the lions i mean that that's the thing the best game plan they can have runs entirely contrary to everything that they should want to do that they generally want to do they don't want to to lean on the run they want to pass you don't want to give the packers defense opportunities get down the field take the chunk plays because the packers are going to give them to you take those 30 yard passes Kevin's gonna mess it up. Jair's gonna mess it up. Savage is gonna mess it up. Somebody's gonna mess up. Somebody's gonna be open deep down the field. Take the big shot. Score in three plays. But that's also not great because you've got a massive. You don't have an offensive line that can block. You don't have wide receivers that can get down the field. You're playing into your weakness and the Packers' strength. So it's sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. But again, that that all comes down to the Packers executing. If the if the Vi- or the Lions choose to run, you've got to be able to figure out some way to stop it. And in Pettin's mind, that maybe we're staying in nickel. We'll give him the eight yard, and we're just going to bank on somebody making a play. Because again, that's the benefit of only having three downs before a guy's got a punt. Because Kingsley Kiki, if he breaks through and makes a tackle for a loss on one play, after after they've just gone seven straight running plays and gone, you know, all the way to the fifty-two or you know the forty-eight yard line, they've gone fifty-two yards down the field, and it seems like they're completely unstoppable. And then all of a sudden, Kingsley Kiki gets one tackle in the backfield, and it's second and twelve. Suddenly, everything just changed. It feels like it shouldn't have changed. Why did it change? Because 2nd and 12, you're reevaluating things. Do we want to run it again? If we get 5, it's still 3rd and long. It just takes that one play. And again, that's why you don't want to drag it out against the Packers. Because now you feel like you need to sit back and pass in 2nd and 12. You don't have to. But if you run for 4, you're in trouble. Everybody wants to get that 3rd manageable. And I feel like we could probably pass for like 6 or 7 here. We should probably just pass. We just took you out of your game and you better complete this. Cause third and twelve, Zedarius is gonna just smash your face. Don't mess this up. Make the right call. That's what's crazy about football. That's how we beat the Vikings. Vikings were unstoppable. They just they just stroll down the field like it's nothing. Make a goal line stand. The 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 the, the game could not be any more in their favor. One play. There were there were two one plays by Z, by uh, Jair. There was the sack by Zadarius. Just that one play messes everything up. All the momentum shifts. And again, if the Packers are are offensively able to move the ball similar to how they did to the Vikings where they're scoring on pretty much every drive whether it's a field goal or a touchdown the the Lions have to be in a state of being kind of perfect and that's sort of the problem they're going to be able to move the ball they're going to run and, and Adrian Peterson's going to get chunks and it's going to be frustrating can you maintain this can you run that many times down the field can you can you be the 49ers despite the fact you don't have their offensive line you're, you're not built that way I mean you're not Kyle Shanahan You want to pass. You don't know how to run like they do. You're not going to confuse. This is a power running game. Adrian Peterson's a power back. He's going to run straight up the middle, blast through an arm tackle, and try to rip off a bunch of yards. Just outrun people. We're not running outside zone here. This isn't some elaborate scheme. You're out of your element here. It may be your best strategy, but I don't know if the Packers wouldn't welcome it. Because it was the exact opposite that kept the game so close before. It was attacking the corners but you don't have your number one wide receiver. And again, I don't know that they do it. I'm scared about them running because that's how you beat the Packers. But they, they they didn't have their number one wide receiver last week, and they went 11 personnel more often than average, 70% of the time. And they passed 67% of the time out of 11 personnel. I just feel like they're not going to change things. I feel like they feel like they've got the, the Packers number. They know how to beat the Packers. They know how to attack the Packers. They've done it in the past. They, they won three out of the last five, and the last two were complete flukes. We should have won those games, blah, blah, blah. At the very least, we're going to start off trying to attack down the field. The Vikings play this game. The Vikings want to run the ball. Never goes well for them. Packers annihilate the Vikings. They're a run-first team. Lions are a pass-first team. They give us a much harder time. It's counterintuitive, but it just it kind of makes sense. If I'm the Lions, to to, to whisper into their ear, if I was you know trying to help them out, don't panic. Play your game. Trust that the Packers are going to mess this up. You know how to beat them. Unless this turns into an absolute nightmare and your wide receivers can't hang or, or Kevin King and Jair are having just a great day, then we'll switch it up a little bit. But don't panic and become a run-first team when you're not built that way. That would be my advice to them, but I don't know if they're going to do that. Because again, it does make perfect sense. The Packers really struggle when teams run, 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 but only when they do it effectively. That's the problem. So I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know exactly what what they do. But again, that's, that's the dilemma. It's a d- d- dilemma on both sides. What do you do if you're petting? You want them to run or you want them to pass? I'm sure they would say they'd want them to pass because they trust their corners more than they should, but whatever. Anyways, why don't we take a break and then we'll flip over to the defense, take a look at what they're fielding these days. We'll be right back. So I once again got to tell you about mybookie.ag. Once again, I'm just trying to get you to have a little bit more fun this Sunday but also the enticing offers from both MyBookie as well as Overtime has got to be enough to get you at least a little bit excited. This Sunday, you're going to have the opportunity, if you go to MyBookie.ag, to not only place a couple wagers, to be able to put your money where your mouth is, literally, but they've got live in-game betting. They're going to have prop vets available to you during the game. Not only that, but if you go to MyBookie.ag, if you sign up, and you use promo code Overtime when you sign up. They're going to double your first deposit all the way up to a thousand dollars. Meaning, put down a thousand dollars on my bookie. They're going to give you a thousand dollars. I don't think you're going to get cute and put that in and then just cash it all out. They're not going to let you do that. It's it's a thousand dollars to play with on their site. But it's still a thousand bucks. Not only that, but when you do it, if you take a screen capture of your new account, send it to Overtime at AdvertiseCast.com. At the end of this month, we're going to draw one lucky winner to get $500 in cash. I don't know why there's a single person still listening and not going over to mybookie.ag to sign up. You don't have to put down $1,000. You can put down 100 bucks. You can put down $10. I'm not sure what the minimum is, but just put something down. They're going to double your deposit, and you're entered to win $500. Let me just pose it to you this way. How much would you pay to be entered into a drawing to win $500? And as an extra added bonus, you can... Take that money that you use to buy your entry and go play games with it <laughs> anyways please go check out mybookie.ag go poke around see if it's something you're interested in and again don't forget to send in that screen capture in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All righty. So the defense, which is seen as sort of the bigger issue, although with all the injuries, that's questionable. The one guy that I'm concerned about is Mr. Trey Flowers. I do tend to think he's a bit underrated as a pass rusher. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that his sack numbers aren't exactly what you'd want them to be. His PFF sack number, which is probably more than what, it, uh, let me give you the official numbers. That'll uh, better reflect probably the bias a bit. Starting in 2016, his sack numbers have been seven, six and a half, seven and a half, seven, and then he has one so far this year. So anytime you get a guy that's a fourth round pick, his speed is 493, and at 265, that's pretty terrible. I mean, we've got 340 pound offensive linemen that are running four nine threes super freaky guys but you know he's not a super freak super freak he's not super freaky with that said however his pressures are through the roof his pressure rate last year despite only getting seven sack was 14 percent. i'm thinking zadarius is the only guy that had a higher number than that maybe the Neil, i don't really feel like looking it up but that's a really 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 high number So he may not be exactly getting to the quarterback and sacking him all that off, but on top of his seven sacks, he hit the quarterback 14 times and hurried the quarterback 41 times. Maybe his lack of speed is just, you know, makes that little bit of a difference. You know, you give him a, a, a half a tick more speed and you take some of these hurries and hits and convert them to sacks, and instead of seven, he's getting 10 or 11 every year. I don't really know the reason. I'm just saying he has a really high impact on the pocket and on the quarterback and on the passing game that I don't think he gets enough credit for. He's incredibly impactful on getting after the quarterback, and we saw that with Aaron Rodgers. Whether or not it ended up being a sack, he's, he's making a push. So make no mistake, he's a talented guy, and he's an extremely talented run defender. That's just a dangerous side of the field. Fortunately, um, he lines up pretty exclusively to the right side, which is David Bakhtiari's side. It's the defensive right side, the offensive left side. This past game, he lined up twice to the left side out of uh, 45 snap. One set nose, the rest all to the right. So he's a David Bakhtiari problem. And obviously we can handle it, but I'm just saying, it's dangerous territory. Now after that, it starts to look upward in terms of being in our favor. If we're going based on snap counts, um, Trey Flowers got the most opportunities along the defensive line. After that, you got Nick Williams, Danny Shelton, who was one uh, pretty big impact signing. You bring a guy like Danny Shelton in because he's, what is he, 340? Yeah, 6'2", 345. You bring him in because he's a pretty solid run defender. Now unfortunately for him his his pivotal year his peak year was his second year in 2016 it's literally gone down every single year in 2016 his grade was an 83.7 we're talking about his run defense grade it went down to a 78.7 still really solid went down to a 76.3 still pretty good that was his first year with new england his second year with new england it went down to a 66.2 he actually graded out better as a pass rusher not that he did well but the grades flipped to that degree So far this year, 53.7. He had a real rough time against the Chicago Bears, who are not really renowned for having a great offensive line. Currently, the Chicago Bears running back, Montgomery, is graded as one of the best running backs in football. I know the Bears are excited about him having a resurgence. He was one of my favorite running backs in the draft. But I tend to think that has something to do with the Lions' poor defense more than anything. Danny Shelton, in that game, despite getting a ton of of, uh, snaps, had two tackles. That's it two tackles in one hurry is what he registered in this game not saying he's a non-factor I'm just saying it it hasn't been great for him recently the other defensive tackle is Mr. Nick Williams former Chicago Bear Um, another just absolute nightmare I don't know if it's injuries or what the problem is I mean he's he's the starting guy for uh according to our lads too Nick Williams and Danny Shelton is just the starting defensive line and that's that's kind of a nightmare Nick Williams I mean we played the Bears I, I don't remember hearing his name And the Bears outside of Akeem Hicks don't have the greatest defensive lineman in the world, so the fact that this guy was hardly getting very much play time. I mean, last year he got a decent amount. He's been a pretty terrible player for a while. His grade against uh, Chicago, his former team, was a 45.7, which is terrible. His tackling grade was horrific. He had two tackles in the game and a missed tackle. That's not a great ratio. He's a seventh-round pick, um, Samford Bulldogs. In terms of what he does better, nothing. I mean, his 2019 season with Chicago was his best year, and he was average across the board. 21 pressures on 292 attempts is not great. I mean, according to this, he had six sacks, but I promise you that is just a wildly inflated number. Not inflated in terms of it didn't happen. Inflated in terms of that ratio is completely, completely impossible to maintain. When you have more sacks than you have hits, and half the amount of sacks as you have hurries, that's insane. But he's off to a pretty rough start. And it's not going to get much easier going up against a much better Aaron Jones, a much more powerful A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams. I mean, it's just it just gets worse. So that defensive line duo of Nick Williams and Danny Shelton, um, I mean, ideally it's Nick Williams kind of being sort of the Dean Lowry guy while Danny Shelton is the big run stuffer. But again, Danny Shelton has not proven to be able to do that. He's In fact, he's been more of a pass rusher uh, these last couple of years. After that, you got Deshaun Hand, who I would have thought would have been a starter. He actually graded out pretty well this past week he was kind of terrible in 2019 so maybe that's why they've decided to uh, to knock a, knock him down a peg but his 29 snaps he actually did quite well and then after that you've got the other pass rusher Romeo Oquara Oquara is just really not a good football player at all um i think it's pretty pivotally important that the lions at some point get better along the defensive line but especially at the pass rush position 6 foot 4 274 speed again they don't have anybody that's that's like sub 4.9 along this defensive line which is crazy I understand wanting to be big and bulky and all that I mean Pettin has that too but where does Rashawn run in the four sixes for crying out loud yeah he ran an unofficial 4.61 at his Michigan combine unofficial but still 275 pound man 280 pound guy in other words you can be big and not be like offensive lineman slow but anyways, this guy has never really produced all that much. He did have a relatively high sack year in 2018, but again, that was a, that was a Kyler Fackrell anomaly. His pressure rates are sub 10% every single year. He's terrible against the run. He offers nothing. So that's the defensive line. And um, you know, outside of of hoping that these guys don't have a real good day, which everybody has a good day once in a while, just like how all good players have bad days sometimes. There's really one good player along that defensive line. Linebackers, and this is where it's going to be a real big difference between um, the Lions and the Vikings, in which the Vikings actually have the upper hand, and that's linebacker. Eric Hendricks played a solid game. Jelani Tavai is a horrible football player. That is their number one linebacker, their second-round pick. They were obviously hoping that he'd have a better sophomore season. He's not good at anything at all. He's a linebacker that can't stop the run, doesn't know how to tackle, can't cover. He rushed the passer five times. He got one hit on the quarterback. Played the run 17 times, had two tackles, and one miss. He was targeted twice in the passing game. Um, Both of those were caught for 17 yards, and he added a penalty to this. I mean, he's nothing but a liability for this team. The other linebacker is Jared Davis, who's been, you know, he had a decent week last week, but he's been consistently one of the worst linebackers in football. They did add Jamie Collins, which Lions fans are so excited about, but he only played 19 snaps, compared to Jelani Tavai's 51. So they're not even really putting him in the mixture all that much. And he didn't play that well with his 19 snap. Bad against the run, bad in coverage. So it's not great. Then again, we get to the cornerback situation, and I, I don't exactly know. I mean, we know Okuda hasn't played yet. Trufant is out, meaning Amani Arouaria is coming in. He played last week in place of Jeff Okuda. He allowed three receptions on four targets for 51 yards. Allen Robinson had one for 13. Darrell, excuse me, Darnell Mooney... The rookie that they made to look like a uh, freakish football player, which is how you know that some of the Chicago Bears stuff is inflated. Anthony Miller right now is graded as like the best wide receiver in football. But their, what, seventh-round rookie is also one of the higher-graded guys. He went 2-for-2 two two for 38 yards against Aru not saying the guy's terrible, but it's, it's not an ideal situation. Last year, 18-of-22 for 212 yards. He gave up three touchdowns, but had two interceptions. He only played 146 snaps last year. So I don't necessarily want to say that's not ideal, but it's, it's, I mean, if we can't handle this, I got some concerns. I mean, the Saints are coming up. They've got some actual good proven corner. Uh, and so while this may possibly be a better unit than what the Vikings have, which is not a guarantee, the Packers offense better keep rolling. This is probably going to be a lesser unit in terms of being able to run the ball. Also, interestingly enough, um, I mentioned how Aaron Jones struggled because they stacked the box a lot, right? Uh, Montgomery had a really good game against this defense, not only because the players aren't very good, he faced the third least amount of stacked boxes. Actually, I lied. Um, He tied for the least because he didn't face any. Alvin Kamara, David Montgomery, somehow Saquon Barkley, who couldn't run at all, faced zero stacked boxes, as did James Robinson in Jacksonville. They didn't stack the box once against Chicago so okay <laughs> oh my god if you're starting if, if you have a Packers running back on the bench reconsider your life choices I'm not saying you got to start A.J. Dillon because if he gets four carries it's you know obviously you can't do much with that but that's again it comes down to the question of do you change your tactic and I don't know how you do If you're not going to stack the box against Montgomery on a team in which they say they really want to emphasize that a little bit more because you're so scared of Mitchell Trubisky, are you going to stack the box against Aaron Jones after watching what Aaron Rodgers just did to the Vikings? You're going to get away from what it is you do defensively and you're going to start stacking the box? And stacking the box with who exactly? I'm talking eight men in the box. You got four up front. You're going to have three linebackers who are all terrible plus a safety in there or what? Where are the eight guys coming from? I don't think we're gonna see a lot of eight. Zero times against Chicago. Matt oh my goodness, Matt LaFleur is just having he's having heart palpitations right now, just thinking about it. I'm 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 starting to freak out a little bit. Zero times? I mean I get like, you know, we're not gonna do it all that much. But zero times? After Aaron, So Aaron Jones is gonna go from the most stacked box in football to no stacked boxes. Okie dokie. <laughs> And again, if they change their tactics and they're like, yeah, we're going to load up, we're going to do what the Vikings did. We're just going to attack the line of scrimmage every single play. We're just going to overwhelm the offensive line so that there's nowhere to run for Aaron Jones. Okay, are you more equipped? Who has better safeties, the Vikings or the Lions? It's not even close. And I don't know who's better in terms of the corners. The the Vikings, shockingly, might have had more experience than the Lions. Again, Okuda has zero experience in the NFL. Aru- Aruarie has... Uh, Prior to last week, well, I guess we'll include it, he has 280 total snap. Holton Hill going into that game had 603. Mike Hughes has 802. This is somehow a less experienced cornerback group than what we faced last week, and possibly less talented. No question in the world the safeties are worse. We went from the, the best safety duo in football to not, not a bad safety group, but it's nowhere near as good, and worse linebackers. And if it's a better defensive line, it's not by much. Trey Flowers is the best player between the two teams, but you figure Yannick isn't that far behind as a pass rusher, and I tend to think that the guys that they have next to Yannick were better than the guys the Lions have. I don't know how any of this is possible, but it's somehow possible. It's somehow real life. And again, this this assumes Okuda isn't all that great. He may be an absolute lockdown freak, but even so, this is a nightmare for the Lions. Listen, I'm nervous about the game. I am. I'm nervous about the defense being able to step up. I'm nervous about all that stuff. But if we can't handle this, we may as well just throw in the towel against the Saints, Michael Thomas or not. I mean, this is, this is a joke. This is ridiculous. What do you, where do you begin as a defensive coordinator with this? 280 snaps Arouarie, Arouarie has. If their slot corner, by the way, their number two slot corner is still injured, they're going with Tony McRae. Tony McRae has been in the league for four years. He has 312 total snaps to his name. The guy is really, 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 really bad. Like practice squad bad. Otherwise, you got Daryl Roberts. Daryl Roberts, I think, is legit. I mean, he's, he's he's not good. He had a good week last week by his grade and whatnot. But I mean, he's got two thousand two hundred and twenty-one snaps to his name. He's been a starting corner for the Jets for a while. So I mean, it's it's sad to say that this is like the one area where you feel kind of safe if he even plays, and he may not play. So let's just let's just look at it. You've got if we spread this bo- the the wide receivers up. And as of right now, PFF says it's going to be McRae, which is a nightmare. You've got Devontae Adams. Oh, wait, no, never mind. That's not, I got to adjust this a bit. I think PFF is just wrong. Devontae Adams going up against Akuda, probably. I don't know if they're going to keep him on one side or let him follow uh, Devontae. Aroarie might even be the better. They, they probably trust him more because he's been there for a couple years. It might be Aroarie going up against Adams. Just, oh my goodness. Literally saliva dripping out of my mouth as I speak. Just cannot stop drooling at this. Then you got Marquez Valdez scantling up against Acuda, And again, if he's a really good player and he's got all that speed, maybe Valdez doesn't have a great day. Then you got Roberts against Lazard. Lazard is not necessarily a speed guy. He's a size guy. So what are we looking at in the slot? As we basically put our big-bodied tight end there. Well, we got six foot, 182-pound Darryl Roberts. Best of luck. Down the field, they got Tracy Walker, who I've said is underrated. He's a talented guy. Third-round pick out of uh, Louisiana. Not elite. But he's decent after that you got teron Harmon, who's another patriot that got poked decent nothing special kind of like rookie year darnell savage good and in a good year he's adrian amos it's it's probably pretty comparable to what the packers have at safety so this group is going to stop the aerial assault and by the way the way that i have this set up right now in their nickel defense has six men in the box Six. Tracy Walker, who is their uh, second safety, who would likely be their strong safety to drift into the box just to make it seven, not a very good run defender. Which, by the way, again, if we do that, now we're talking single high safety, best of luck. This is where the Packers absolutely have to be just unstoppable. We need to see two weeks in a row. Because if they're struggling to get going, the, the, the area that I have concern is on the other side. Not that we shouldn't be able to handle this easily, but as badly as we played, if we struggle again, it's a problem. Chandon had a horrific day. Absolutely terrible. He's going up against their number one wide receiver in Danny Amendola when they're in the slot. After that, I'm not entirely sure what they do. Uh, Marvin Jones is sort of the bigger guy, so maybe they put uh, Kevin King on, let Jair go up against Cephas, or maybe just for fun, we put Jair in the slot. Why not? If Danny Danny Amendola is the best guy, let's let Jair follow, follow Danny around. And when he goes in the slot, maybe we can put Josh Jones on the outside. Why not? I'm not opposed to that. Either way, they need to be able to handle their business. And we need much better days from our safeties because that was just not acceptable. And again, defensive line, Gary and the Smiths, they, they got to, I I won't say they got to ramp it up, they got to keep it up. Again, Gary and Zedarius, the three pressures might not sound impressive, but as, as very limited opportunities as they got because the Vikings never had the ball and they ran a lot, that's pretty solid. And I think it's going to get even better when we when we get all three of them on the field because you put Zedarius on the inside against again Mr. Abushi or Mr. Rookie Jonah Jackson and it's just it's going to be a nightmare. But the guys are going to have to be able to step up because they're going to use these the, their tight ends and running backs to block and try to get these wide receivers down the field. And these you know it's going to be a matter of whether or not the the pressures get home or not is going to depend if these corners can last for a couple seconds. And then finally, there's the issue of running the ball. The highest run defense grade of our starting front four, with the three pass rushers on the field, was Rashawn Gary. His, pass, his run defense grade was a 61.7. He was the only guy that graded out his average. Dean Lowry, which is his job, had a 55.8. Sedarius was 50.8. Preston was 44.6. And I mentioned how Preston just got worked off the edge constantly. Fortunately, I think this plays a little bit more to their strengths. I think the Packers really struggle with running backs that get to the outside. If their job is to just smash in the middle, not not that they're really, really good at it. I think if you just keep it simple and just say, just smash the guy in front of you and grab anybody with a football, that's when they can kind of thrive a bit. When you got Cook, who's, you know, finding the cutback lanes, but also bouncing it to the outside, you know, Preston's, he's just committing to smashing down. And when somebody tries to get around him, he forgot all about the whole, you know, protect the edge thing. Like, oh yeah, shoot, forgot. I'm not supposed to let him get around me. My bad, guys. So that's, I mean, that's 100% got to get cleaned up. And, and as a, I guess, a final prediction, I would expect uh, to see a little bit more Kingsley, although he didn't have the best day in the world. I've said consistently, the guy's the best run defender we have outside of possibly Kenny Clark when Kenny Clark doesn't have a bad day. But I mean, his, he, his run defense grade was in the 70s. Christian Kirksey was 50.1. The other thing to keep in mind um, that may be important is Raven Green. I, I know we're, we're sort of deifying the guy way more than we than we should. He's not the be-all, end-all. He's not Kenny Clark. He's just a guy, but he's an important piece that I think Petten really wants and needs for his defense to be able to play with these light packages but still have a little bit more thumb. So if we can put him in at linebacker, we're going to be better equipped to cover from the linebacker position and be uh, also a little bit more physical toward the line of scrimmage. I don't have much by way of prediction because there's so many ridiculous variables. I don't really see it, it going that way. I will say that um, there are... Facets that have me nervous. The defense is 100% of those facets. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to see offensive regression, but I mean, even on a bad day, the Packers can move against this defense. It's never really been a problem. The problem has always been the Lions' offense up against our defense, and I don't know that that necessarily changes because they lost a wide receiver. We just need to see better play, and I, I just want to stop hearing the excuses. Kevin King has more than enough talent, Jair has more than enough talent. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, so much has been invested in this defense. Enough is enough. This is the easiest. This is. It's not going to get easier than this. If you want an opportunity to shut everybody up about your defense, this is it. Because your opportunity is not coming against the Saints. And that's part of what this is. And I hate to be greedy because at the end of the day, all we want is a win and, and we'll let week three kind of be week three. But you want people to stop calling you frauds that comes when you take these games and you smash them right through a wall as though they don't exist and then you go out and start beating teams like the Saints if you're struggling you know if you're allowing the Vikings to rack up 34 points and then you go up against the 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 hapless Lions and you and you win 24 to 21 i mean i'm will i'll take a win anytime we can get it but that's, that's the difference between being a team that has a good regular season record that can't do anything in the playoffs, a team that wins this garbage division, and a team that's actually going to win the Super Bowl on my episode 1000. That's the difference. Don't beat the Lions. Annihilate the Lions. Prove to everybody that this is, this is no joke. Because that offense we saw is about as good of a Packers offense as I've seen in my lifetime. I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying it's, it's on that tier the best Brett Favre offenses I've watched, the best Aaron Rodgers offenses I've watched. You take all the best games, all those best offenses, you put them in a pile, and we take week 1 of this season and we put it in that pile and if that continues, that's fantastic. And the beauty of it all is this defense is built to be the difference. The times we won the Super Bowl, at the times when we had Reggie White and that defense was was basically carrying the team. In 2010, it was the same situation. Not that the offense wasn't great, it was that we had a defense that stepped up. We have all the pieces in place to be Every bit as good as those defenses. We've got our Reggie White. That's a little blasphemous, but I'm I'm saying in general we have that guy. We've got Zadarius. We've got Jair. We've got Amos. We've got guys that we can trust and that we can rely on to be playmakers. Kevin King with those interceptions. You don't have to be perfect. Just be a playmaker. Keep coming up big in the run game. Gary, keep progressing. Kirksey, just do enough. Darnell, take a step. Preston, please stop regressing. I was worried about regression. One of his worst games was this past week. And listen, everybody was bad, so I, I don't expect that to be how bad this defense is all around. They're better than that. And it's going to take time. Again, everybody was bad week one. I'm, I'm more looking long term now. Long term. If this defense takes a step from what it was last year, which was a pretty good defense, it had its issues. I'm not saying it didn't against the run and all that stuff. Personnel wise, we have everything we need. We don't need Snacks Harrison to fix this. The guy's already regressing, anyways, and he wants way too much money. Yeah, I'm sure he would help a little bit, but that's not the issue. It's execution that's the issue, and there's no saying that we go out and get somebody off the street, and he's going to be able to come into Mike Pettin's defense and just be this dominant, oh, like, oh, yeah, I know how to run this. No, you don't. Preston Smith came over from Washington as one of the better run-defending edge rushers in the game, and he can't do it here. It's a different system, different expectations, diff- different play calls. Right? Washington's all about that big beef up front. Not going to run against him. Preston was a part of that. Come over here, it's all nickel defense. It's all get the quarterback, drop into coverage. it. Yeah, he's not as good against the run. Same with Blake. Blake was dominant against the run. And I'm not just talking about his tackle numbers. I'm talking about his grades. He was great under Dom Capers. Pettin comes over here, asks him to do different stuff. And he's like, I don't know how to do this, man. I don't know what I'm doing here. Terrible. Week one with the Giants, best linebacker in football. Go figure. And I'm not saying Mike Pettin's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying it's different. You can't expect to just pick up a phone, get some big fat guy to come over, and then all of a sudden we're a Super Bowl contender because nobody can run against the fat guy. Right, call up Gilbert Brown like, hey man, you haven't slimmed down too much, have you? You want to go out there and just like stand in the way? Just It's not that simple. We have what we need. The offense needs to keep humming. The defense needs to keep progressing. I'm not asking you to be a Super Bowl defense this week. I need to see better. Chandon needs to be not one of the worst corners in football. Darnell Savage rated 65th out of 69. That's unacceptable. Adrian Amos, one of the most reliable guys in football, rated 54th out of 69. That's unacceptable. Christian Kirksey's grade was in the 40s. That's unacceptable. Kevin King ranked 51st out of 84. That's pathetic. Dean Lowry is 59th out of 89. That's ridiculous. Preston was 53rd out of 75. That's horrific. It's not good enough. Take a step. Offense keep rolling. I would much rather we have this slow progression and even lose to the Saints. Not saying it has to be that way, but if you're asking me, if we keep taking baby steps on defense... The offense stays at a really ridiculously high level and continues to improve as we slowly unravel this Matt LaFleur thing. We get guys like DeGuara, who's not playing, probably, and um, and A.J. Dillon more involved. I'm more concerned about the slow progression late in the season, about getting better and better, staying healthy, than about anything else. But that's what's important about this game. Not only do we need to come away with a W against one of the easier opponents in the division, but one of the biggest things to watch outside of health is progression. Defense takes a step. Offense doesn't look like, you know, 2018 Mike McCarthy Packers. Like, well, I guess it was a fluke. If we can do that, I'm happy. It doesn't even really matter the score. Kind of of like with the Vikings game where I was like, I really wish it wasn't that close. Yeah, that's true, but I think I'm okay with it. Because a couple little key things in there make it worth it. If this is a close game and that's frustrating or whatever, but again, the offense is still dominant. The defense got better in certain facets, which I don't know how it's a close game if those two things happen a hypothetical, just let me do it, then I'm okay with that. That's the goal of the day, more so than a prediction. Who cares what the score... I don't know. I don't... Who cares? It's going to be 28 to 22. It's going to be 19 to 74 and a half. Who, who, I, who cares? I don't know. You know how many variables I have to account for in this? Are I mean, who, who's the... off Who is either team's offensive line in this game? I have no idea. Are they running or passing? Are the Packers running or passing? They did great passing the ball, but if the Lions never stacked the box, we're probably going to run a ton. Like, lots of running the ball which would also mean lots of probably A.J. Dillon, because we know we don't want to run Aaron Jones into the ground. So we got to up somebody's carries. Maybe it's all Jamal. Maybe it's a good amount of A.J. Dillon. What if A.J. Dillon has 10 carries for 104 yards in this game? I don't know. I don't. Maybe they don't run the ball at all. Maybe they just throw like crazy because the corners have no experience. I don't know what's going to happen. And then I don't know if anybody's going to be any good or bad. Could be 50 to 40. Could be 18 to 10. I, I just don't care. Just doesn't interest me. I do expect the Packers to win this game. They absolutely should. There's no reason not to. I mean, this is this is Eagles Washington territory. <laughs> it's it's that level of bad if the Packers lose. Like that that is the worst thing that's ever happened. But anyways, that's uh that's what I got. Supposed to be a really nice day. I I checked yesterday. I think it said 66 and clear as far as weather. I told you. I just there's there's never an end to things that you can look up. I think there's a bunch of other little tidbits that I didn't even bother to mention. But anyways, I guess we'll just cut it there feel like I've covered that pretty top to bottom. Um, Yeah, that's it. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.